The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. It is so good to be with you today. Ben, Brandy, Angie, how is life? Life is good. Life is good. Some rain's falling from the sky. <laughs> and two things, my dogs went crazy because they forgot what it was, didn't know what it was. And people forgot how to drive in the rain. Mm. Hattiesburg mm. is the worst but, when it rains. Yeah, but man, grateful for the rain. We need it. <laughs> Angie. Has this been affecting your pickleball game? <laughs> Y'all are not going to pick on me about that. <laughs> Clearly. It no, has we're helped. just waiting for our invite to a game. I want you to be on my team. Okay. <laughs> Please. Hey, you know what better. Tyler always says. What? Oh. <laughs> Ain't no ball like pickleball. <laughs> Classic Tyler quote. <laughs> I'm sad to say I have said that before. <laughs> So, Angie, give us an update. When's the last time you played? Who'd you beat? (laughs) Okay, I played last night, (laughs) if I'm not going to lie. It's just so addictive. Um, And me and Kate, that's my daughter-in-law, we won. We won against my son, who's really good, and my other son, both boys. (laughs) Yeah, we were so happy. Okay, so one is really good? Well, the other one's learning. (laughs) He's good, too, but, like, uh, River scares me, but... You know, we beat him last night, so that was good. (laughs) Way to dominate. (laughs) So here we are in Romans chapter 8 is where we are today. The entire chapter of chapter 8, man, was that redundant (laughs) or what? So last week when we were all together, um, we knew we were going to all go back home, open our Bibles throughout the week throughout the week and look at this chapter. So what is your process when studying? Like, how do you get ready for the next week? I do a lot. Speaking of redundant, (laughs) I read and then I read it again and then I read it again and I read it again. Um, There's really no like secret to how I personally study other than I just, I've told y'all this before, like I'm super nerd and I like to read the different commentaries. So I have multiple Bibles and it seems ridiculous, but I just love to hear all the different perspectives. And occasionally I'll look at an app here or there, like the blue letter, blue letter Bible, but Mm -hmm. it's mostly just back and forth between my different study Bibles. Yeah. So read the chapter and then Something grabs your attention, mm-hmm. and then you choose to focus on that. Yes, and, and then I'll deep dive that and go way too far and get myself confused and then bring it back. <laughs> okay, there we go. Angie, Ben, what do y'all do? Um, very similar, those same things. I would think one thing I guess that I might add to that is I listen to a lot of different podcasts of people that I like, different churches, different speakers. And so if they speak on a, a topic or something that what scripture I'm in, I like to listen to their perspective, things they've learned. And normally like something stands out, whether it's in something they say or something I read, um, that describes my attention a little bit more when I, you know, when you're intentional about reading through scripture word by word and like putting yourself in that atmosphere, in that story, something stands out and I just kind of go with it. So wherever the spirit leads, like I study that little piece. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just read it. Um, it sounds <clears throat> simple, but I do, and I've learned. You know, you said something a couple of weeks ago about reading to prepare and over the long haul how that can be depleting, and I've had to learn that too. Um, and so I just kind of treat these passages like they're my quiet time passages. Yeah. And because it, it is has been depleting for me, and honestly, I feel like I prepare better when I'm just – reading it to spend time with the Lord and learn more about him and not through the lens of how am I going to present this to somebody else? Right. Back to the overflow. Yeah. We're allowing this to fill our cup and then what runneth over. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. Runneth yeah. Up. And, yeah. and like I always say. Yeah. And, and we, we say that a lot, especially to our house church pastors about encouraging them to lead from the overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and just hit me recently about really what that means. And it's not leading from an overflow of the knowledge that I've collected Right, but it's leading from an overflow of how God's working in me and what He's showing me, and how to apply those things that He's that He's teaching me just through spending time with Him, and mm-hmm. it, and then it just naturally comes out. Right, I don't even have to work at it for it to come out. Sometimes right. when you when yes. we're leading from a place of overflow, that's right. Yes. Brandy, if you would start us off at Romans chapter eight, verse one, and let's read through what verse eight works for me. Okay, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, so before we talk about this, I just want to talk through how simple this is to have good conversation in your house church. You read that on first glance, and it's like, wow, what is that talking about? (laughs) But then you begin asking questions. What words are repeated? What seems to be the theme of the passage? Is there a promise to believe? Is there a command to to follow? We, We look at it, we read it, we ask these questions, we ask God to reveal His Word to us, and in doing that, we begin learning it and understanding it, and then we come together and we talk about it. That's what we do here on the podcast every week. It's nothing special. We read it, we don't understand what it's talking about, then we start asking questions, digging, learning, and then we come back together and discuss it. So this is a a great uh, model of what a house church is. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have any fancy questions or anything. We're just reading the scripture and then talking about it. So with that, what stood out to you as you read? What grabbed your attention? What did you learn from it? Can I jump in real quick and start with verse one? Because as we have said a couple weeks ago, there was a therefore. And Ben, what does that mean? (laughs) What is that therefore? (laughs) Exactly. And so it's really easy to read chapter 8, verse 1, and just read, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you have to go back to uh, chapter 7 and read more about the what and the why and the how to really understand 
what a gift it is that there is no condemnation. We, we wouldn't understand why we were condemned in the first place, or you would assume that you're not if you take this out of context. Because we've talked about this before. We as humans don't like to think of ourselves as wicked. We for sure don't like to think of ourselves as condemned. So you can't take just that one scripture out of context without going back and reading what came before the therefore. I think for me, whenever I got to this chapter, I was already excited because I love Romans 8, but for a good reason, like what Ben was just talking about with the overflow and how much really that overflow represents um, what God teaches you. So immediately for me, when we got to Romans 8, I knew 8.6 was a big verse for me that he's taught me so much in, and it's the verse that says the mind governed by the flesh um, leads to death, and the mind governed by the spirit leads to life and peace. And in that, I can remember so vividly how, you know, we worry about things and there was like a particular situation within my family that the situation itself looked like it was impossible. You know, the situation looked like it was never changing. Um, Reality showed me one thing and God's word and his promise told me another. And what I kept trying to find myself focusing on was the reality of the situation and what I could see in front of me. And that's where my mind was. That's where my mind kept going is, this is truth to me because this is what I see. But God was kept telling me, but that's not truth. Like, if you're going to let your mind be governed by your flesh and what you see, it's going to lead to your death, death of my peace. Mm-hmm. But if you would remember what I told you and the promise of my word— you will find life and you will find peace. It's your decision. And I had to continually remind myself of that and like take that particular verse in itself whenever I would find myself worrying about this situation that I could not change and just pray it over and over and over again. And I find that it was so true. Like that's what God taught me in it. His word is what allowed me to bring life and peace into this situation that I could not change. And so sticking to that truth, sticking to what you know to be true is like crucial because if we're going to let our mind worry about the things that we see, then he's saying it's going to lead to your death, the death of your peace. And I think it's important to see like it says to be set on or to be governed by. That doesn't mean I've, I've talked with so many people who are like, I can't worry about anything ever. And it's not that that's the problem. It's when you let it overtake your mind. Yes. It says when it is set on that. So we have to be good. The transforming of our mind means that we recognize when it happens and you begin to say no, just like Angie said. And that's such a different mindset of, hey, it's okay to worry. It's okay to have a thought that wasn't pure or, you know, fill in the blank. But what is not okay is to stay there. So don't let your mind be set on it or governed by. Don't hear that and think my mind and my thought has to be perfect because you're never going to be. Right. right. It goes back to who is your leader? Who is your master? Is it, is it the flesh or is it the spirit? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think it means to be governed by the flesh versus governed by the spirit? I, while Brandy was reading that, I just jotted down in my notebook. Um, I went back to something Kyle mentioned in his message a couple weeks ago about our desires don't often our desires don't line up with God's design. And I made that note of like I wrote our desires versus God's design, and then I put flesh like mm-hmm. my desires. If I'm governed by the flesh, 
my desires are not going to align with God's design, right? Mm-hmm. And and under God's design, I put spirit. Like if I'm being led and governed by the spirit, then he transforms and begins to align my desires with his design. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I got from it. Yeah, and our flesh, like what is that? You know, is it just our skin or is it the thing that motivates us? Mm-hmm. That that leads to our pursuits, and if we're all honest, we all have fleshly desires—things that are not our uh, deepest desire, but it's our strongest desire. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, your deepest desire could be an intimate relationship and a happy family. That's your deepest desire. That's what you really want. That's the spirit of God in you. Your your strongest desire could be settling to look at pornography, right? It's, it's your deepest desire and then your strongest desire. Does that make sense mm-hmm. right there? And so what Paul is saying is there's this battle being waged in you, in your being between your flesh and the Holy Spirit that is in you. Because later on, Scripture tells us right here in this passage that if we put our faith in Jesus, we now have the Spirit in us. So it is then up to us to put to death our flesh so that we can live in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We see that in verse 13 um, where it says, But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. And going back to, Brandy, what you talked about, what is that there for in, in mm-hmm. chapter 7? Paul said, my, my flesh and my sin, is, it is a body of death. Like, it is, it, is, it is killing me, ongoing death. It is going to lead to my ruin. Um, and that's why it's so important that we transform our mind, transfix our mind on Christ. Because, Ben, you alluded to this earlier. We can't, we can't change our desires, but we can choose what we think on. Mm-hmm. And then as a result, the Holy Spirit then begins to change our desires. Yeah. That sound about right? I think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is, as always, we can't do it on our own. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to learn to rely on the Spirit that is within you. But going back, to be clear, you only have the Spirit when you have Jesus. We can't say that enough, I don't think. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and then, and I, I keep, I keep going back to like, I don't remember what week it was. We're, we're just a a posture of Thanksgiving in beginning from being thankful for that. Like he, he's, I'm no longer a slave to that sin through Jesus, like because of him and just how often I'm not grateful and thankful for that. I just zoom past it. Right. But that we have, we've overcome it through him. And starting with that posture of being grateful and thankful for that. Yeah, for sure. So we're no longer a slave to sin. But how how many of us and how much of the time do we struggle with the same sin mm-hmm. over and over and over? And it's like, hold on. Doesn't God's word say, I am no longer a slave to sin? Mm-hmm. Like, this does not hold me anymore. I'm not bound by this anymore. I now have a new master. And Paul has given us insight here. Well, yeah, your mind has to be governed by the Spirit. So I've heard, 
I heard a preacher this past week. It's like, God just didn't answer their prayer to change their heart. But then the question is, well, did, did they choose to change their mind and mm-hmm. change what they were focusing on and then allow the Spirit of God to then change their heart? Because we can't change our desires. So in that, man, we were hoping to get through... <laughs> A lot. At least more than eight verses. <laughs> but here we are. Our time is running out. Do y'all have any, any final thoughts before we head out? One thing that I, toward the end of the chapter that I was going to get to was um, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Um, it made me think about our conversation in the past, specifically, especially if you're a house church pastor listening to us um, about in at the beginning of Romans. When we started this book, we talked about um, just kind of house church pastor 101, praying for your people regularly, right? And I love the the promise that's to be claimed in this passage is that when we do that, sometimes we're not going to know what to pray, right? But it's our, our posture of going to our Heavenly Father and praying without ceasing, um, like we've talked about before, and cling to and claim the promise that we just read that we just read in this passage that the Holy Spirit's going to intercede on our behalf so we can come freely to the Father in prayer if we can come freely with our requests we can come freely on behalf of those that he's tasked us to lead no doubt I girls any final the thoughts only other thing is the final thought of this chapter for me verses 31 through the end I won't read it but that's just been I think I called it like an anchor passage when we talked earlier for my life personally. Um, if you've listened since the beginning, you've heard me talk about, you know, the church I was brought up in and just how, you know, I was taught to believe that I could lose my salvation at any point. And so when I really began to study scripture and understand who God was and uh, on my own, instead of just believing what I was told to believe, uh, this was one of those passages that I really had to hold on to, to try to have the faith to believe, you know, God, nothing can separate me from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And again, that's bringing us back to, you know, we can't take that out of context. You know, it's Jesus who is the important part there. But once we have him, nothing I do can separate me from the love that God has. So so good. Well, y'all, again, thanks for tuning in with us. Does anybody want to do, do the sign off today? <laughs> do we have that honor? just do it yeah. so well. No, I don't want to. I'm not doing it. <laughs> What? (laughs) All right. Y'all know what Tyler always says. Peace. Peace. (laughs) Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in house church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. To find a house church near you, visit venturechurch.org slash housechurch.